I was round at Luis and Anna's house on Wednesday for a membership interview. Um, now, these are really, really encouraging uh, in many ways, but especially for the first bulk of the meeting, many of you will know the format. Uh, we ask you to share the story of how you came to become a follower of Jesus. And you hear some wonderful stories, some moving stories, some surprising stories. Uh, and the reason these two stories um, struck me was because my head had been here at the end of our series in Acts. Uh, halfway through Acts, we see the start of the first Gentile church, the first church established in a sort of non-Jewish area. Uh, and what I want us to think here and to marvel at here is the wonder of what we've been reading at Acts. The, the wonder of it, because it is wonderful. And if you're like me, maybe you found the stories of Acts quite interesting. Uh, we were on our growth group, we were chatting about this the other day. Uh, there's sometimes they're slightly harder to apply than maybe a letter or a sermon on the Mount from Jesus. It's, they're great stories that they can seem quite, okay, great, that happened 2,000 years ago. What about now? Uh, but as I listened to Luis speak of how he came to faith in Peru, moved to Mallorca, met Anna, who had come to faith in Romania. As I then reflected on my own story and, and saw how the Lord had saved both my parents, uh, they weren't from Christian homes at all. One was converted in Scotland randomly uh, in a boarding school. My mum in Kent uh, through a Christian union at her school. Uh, and then how the Lord began to open my eyes, so I began to trust in him. As I reflected on those stories, and as I look around the room now, I want us to stop and marvel a little bit because we're the result of the stories we've looked at in Acts. And I want us to stop and praise God for that because it's easy to see this as 2,000 years ago that the only reason we sit here today is because of what God did right here, right now. God's story, God's plan uh, has led to this wonderful good news of the gospel spreading. It began in Israel 2,000 years ago and now billions all over the world trust in him. And we say that, and again, it seems quite abstract. So just stop and think about that outrageous truth. Today, billions of people have sat across time zones. I, this morning, I was on with, um, as part of my work with Christians in sport, we're helping support elite athletes out in Tokyo right now. Uh, I was on last night with St. Lucian, an Italian, an Irish woman, and some English people. All have put their trust in the Lord Jesus, all praising God together. Uh, and it's outrageous when you think about where we are here of how unique it was. We saw Peter last week, didn't we, in Cornelius' house. First time grasping the gospel's not just for Jews. Uh, amazing when we see that. And we've spent most of the last 11 chapters in Acts in this tiny little area, haven't we? It's a tiny area of the world, actually. If you've been to Israel, it's tiny. Uh, and now it starts to explode from here. We're going to, when we do part two of this series, we'll be with Paul. Uh, and it's worth us stopping again and reflecting and praising this because no message, no truth has spread like this to all cultures, to all nations, to all people in history. So we're going to, we're going to, we're genuinely going to stop now. I want us to stop now and take 30 seconds. Think through maybe who first told you about Jesus. And if you know, maybe think about who told them. See how far back you can get. And stop and praise God for his unstoppable mission. We're looking at his mission unstoppable, his unstoppable mission. How it's worked for thousands of years and has now led to you sitting here today in Vista. And if you don't yet follow Jesus, you're so welcome here. But the fact you're here today is part of God's plan. He knows you and he knows your heart. And he knows you're here and he calls you to follow him. So maybe why don't you think about why you're here today, maybe what's stopping you following him. So let's just take 30 seconds now, 
that we silent, that's good for us, silent sometimes just to reflect and stop. And let's give God praise for that as we think of that. Father God, we thank you so much for your unstoppable gospel. We thank you that for those of us here today who have trusted in you, it is a result of the work of your spirit throughout generations and all nations, Lord. We give you great thanks and praise for the work of the spread of your gospel, the spread of the good, awesome, freeing news of the gospel. Help us to never take that for granted, we pray. Amen. I thought that was important as we, we finish what has basically been, we had 17 weeks, you think, about 11 weeks in Acts, so six weeks looking at what is the church, if you remember that series. And we, we deliberately did that. We thought that was really important to have those series as we came out of sort of, was it 14, 15 months of not being able to physically be together, to, to look at why... The church is so important. Why God established it in this way. He didn't just save a bunch of people and said, just go crack on. He, he did it in community. And we see that right here in the story of Antioch. Uh, and we're going to see it right now because what we're going to see is we're going to see um, what was right at the heart of this first Gentile church. Four things we're going to see. Um, and I think they're the bedrocks of the church in general. That what we want to be the bedrocks of our church here at Town Church. So we're going to see four things. We're going to see... Um, the foundation of the church is a church which is trusting God's sovereign plan, which has God's word spoken, which has servant leaders and sees people change. Those are four things we're going to see. And we see them here as we see this church in Antioch. So firstly, let's think about a church which trusts God's sovereign plan and we see it here outworked. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what sort of organisation you work for if you work. Um, I know we've got teachers here. We've got um, People who work in different jobs and different organisations. But uh, for me, as I said, I work at Christians in Sport. And one of the things that's always struck me is our, our managing director um, runs us in some senses like a business. He, he's a former banker. He's a proper strategist. He's pretty hard-nosed. Uh, and the rigour in our planning, I think, is pretty unique um, for many charities from what I've, what I've observed. Uh, but, but what's funny, when we look back at our, our three-year plans and our five-year plans, is in many senses they're all the same. Different emphasis, yes, but generally they have these, these four things in play. We're not a church, but they have very similar things in play. Trusting God's sovereign plan, he's the one who spreads the gospel. He's the one who opens people's eyes to trust in him. We see the importance of preaching God's word. Leaders backing the work by serving it and understanding that God's word will change people. As I said, we're not a church, but, but for here at Town Church, I think they're the same bedrock for us here. So you may ask us, what's our plan for church growth at Town Church? Do you have a three-year plan? Do you have a five-year plan? Do you have a 10-year plan? Whatever it might be. Well, you probably won't see us writing one out in some ways. Because our strategy is quite simple, and it's the one outlined here in Acts and elsewhere. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep preaching his word. Keep serving him, and just keep seeing what the Lord does with that. Church growth is not dependent on us. It's, we can't just take exactly what happened in Acts and replicate that and see the church grow 
It's God's plan and he marvellously chooses us to use us as his people to proclaim his word to the world. This is God's plan. And we saw that here. Verse 19 of chapter 11. Look down there. Think back. Remember Stephen? Acts 8, 6, 7, 8, something like that. Around then. Well, after his stoning, many of the early Christians scattered all over the area. In verse 19, we pick that back up again. And we see here what they did. They've been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. And they traveled. This was God's plan. This was God's plan to send a whole area of persecute, uh, a whole amount of persecuted refugees to this place. And what do they do first? Well, firstly, it says, it says they spread the word only among Jews, those who are like them. They spread the word there. And then we see verse 20. We get a lovely offhand comment. And it says here, but some of them spoke to the Greeks also and began to tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus. You can see it, can't you, when you think about it? It's, They were in love with Jesus. Their whole lives were based on following him, these people. So much that they endured persecution. And they left because they were known as his followers. And in this new place, in this new city, the third largest city of the time, um, they began speaking to those who were like them, those who they lived next to, the Jews, naturally. But then just some people began naturally and normally just started speaking to the locals. They started speaking to the Greeks there. Maybe in the barbershops, maybe in the... Roman baths, maybe down the shops and the cafes, wherever it might be. You can imagine them a little bit kind of going, somebody going, oh, hey, why have you moved here? And I went, wow, well, the reason we moved here is, well, have you heard of this bloke Jesus? That's why we're here. Have you heard about Jesus? In some ways, it's an offhand comment. It's incredibly simple, the God's sovereign plan of spreading his gospel to all people. It's very simple. You could say it's a bit like gossiping the gospel. And we see the encouragement in verse 21. Many were added to their number. I wonder how you found this series where we've had Acts 1 verse 8 as our memory verse. You will be my witnesses um, to the ends of the earth eventually. Where at times have been some pretty direct applications, haven't there? Challenging us to speak of Jesus where we are. Whether it's our workplace, whether it's our neighbours, our families, wherever it might be. To be intentional, to not negotiate for who might trust Jesus. I wonder how you felt when that's been said. Maybe, maybe guilty, maybe a bit scared, fearful, maybe burdened by that, maybe, maybe excited, maybe you are more like that. But we see here in some ways there's no clever evangelism strategy here. There's no alpha courses and no apologetics classes. That They're good things, but they're not going on here seemingly. Here in Antioch, they just spoke to the Greeks, preaching that Jesus was Lord. It seems incredibly simple. And uncomplicated. And I wonder this week whether that's a challenge for us. Just to be intentional about those we spend our time with. How was your weekend, Chris? Oh, well, good, thanks. I was actually at church yesterday. I was hearing about how the church grew, has continued to grow, and how Jesus is Lord. Have you ever thought much about Jesus? It seems quite simple here. It's a real challenge for me as I look at it that I over-egg it in my mind and make it more complicated and scary. They just spoke of what the Lord was doing. That's simple. That's God's plan. Ordinary people like you and like me just going and simply speaking of Jesus. So that's the first mark. The second mark we see of the church there is it has God's word spoken. And this is how the church is established. A healthy church doesn't just witness to others about the Lord Jesus. It doesn't just evangelize. It is established. It doesn't just preach the gospel and see people follow Jesus and leave it there. 
No, we, we see here they recognise the importance of establishing, of rooting, of grounding them in the teaching of the Lord Jesus. And we see it. What did the apostles in Jerusalem do? Well, they heard reports of this new church in Antioch. They heard reports of these new believers. And remember, this is all in the midst of the visions Peter is having about the gospel not being just for Jews. So it's quite impressive in some ways the apostles. They're starting to get it. And what do they do? They sent their best man. They sent Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? We saw Barnabas right back in chapter five. His name is actually Joseph. He'd been nicknamed Barnabas. They've got a bit of banter to this church. They nicknamed him. It's a good nickname. He's called a son of encouragement. I'm a bit disappointed I'm not having a son when our child arrives in December because Barnabas was right up on my top list because it's a great name and it means son of encouragement. What a name that is if you're called that. They sent an encourager Barnabas to his new church. In verse 23, what did he do? We see here he did. He arrived. He saw that the grace of God had done. He was glad and he encouraged them to all remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to remain faithful. Stay true, stand firm. And he did this because he was a good man, full of a spirit and of faith. And this is all we need as Christians in many ways, is to have God's word spoken and to be exhorted to remain faithful to the Lord. That's why we gather as a church each week, to, to praise God, to help each other to keep going. Because this isn't a gathering of sorted people who've got it all together. It's a gathering of people who need help. We've just sung about our rescuer. We need encouraging. We need reminding. We need exhorting to stay faithful. And Barnabas was perfect for that. Let me take a quick side alley here because I think Barnabas is a wonderful example and a challenge for us. He was certainly an optimist. We see that. He's an encourager. But his optimism, his hope, his encouragement was based on his faith. He trusted what the Lord was doing and he was so glad to see the Lord at work. We see that there. Verse 24, he saw the grace of God and he was glad. And it challenged me because I think so often I'm a grumpy gut. So often I see the negatives. So often I don't see the grace of God and give thanks. I moan, I complain. I wonder if that's a good challenge for us. I've, I've got re- two really good examples, I think, of where I've seen this. Uh, one, a few people know this man, a man called Charlie. He actually came to town church on a visit a few years ago. He was the last man to leave because he was just chatting to everyone, encouraging them. He ended up hoovering. He's a friend. He's a Christian. He lives in Cambridge. He was playing a tennis tournament nearby. He thought, I'm going to come and encourage town church. And boy, did he encourage. He's like that whenever you meet him. Straight away, Johnny, so good to be with you today. Johnny, how amazing to see what God's done to establish a church here in Bista. So encouraging. Couldn't help but be encouraged listening to him. Johnny, brother, how can I be praying for you? I told him, let me pray for you right now. And he did. Charlie is a man who sees the grace of God everywhere. And he was so glad. And he beamed about it. And I trusted him. When he wrote down his book to pray for me, he was going to go and pray for me. An absolute breath of fresh air. Someone who I'd love to emulate. I'd love to be known as an encourager. I'd love all of us to be known as an encourager. When I know so often I see the negative far more than the positive. That's Charlie. The second example, did anyone watch the BMX racing a few days ago? It's great. I'm going to show it. You've probably seen this clip. Uh, This is Kai White. He's down here. There you go. There's Kai. So his colleague, I don't know if you call him a colleague, teammate. This is the the lady, your name I can't remember. Shout out if you know her name. She's going, look at him here. He's just on a silver medal. He's absolutely buzzing. He's cheering. 
He's screaming. In a minute, he's going to break all sorts of coronavirus protocols. Here he goes. Look at it. Absolutely buzzing. Water bottle to the ground. The clip may cut off before he goes and gives her a massive hug. There you go. That is Kai White. What an encouragement. I think Barnabas was a little bit like this when he came to this church. A little bit like that. He came to this church. He cheered them on. They're a new church. They're a young church. They're not probably that impressive. Full of gladness, exhorting them, encouraging them, cheering for them. Could we be a church full of Barnabases? Full of people who see God at work, even in tiny little things, and just give thanks. Who seek out others to encourage them, to thank them, to look for the good, for the positives as opposed to the complaints. For the positives as opposed to any issues or niggles. Barnabas saw the grace of God at work in this church, full of people who had fled due to persecution, who had just simply preached the gospel. They'd seen the church grow and he was glad. Christian life is not straightforward. If you're new here, if you're new to trusting Christ, remember that. It's really important. It's not that easy. Life in some ways is not that easy. And many of you have testimonies of that even right now. If we're surrounded by people who are seeing and looking for the grace of God in our lives, who are encouraging each other to stay firm, to stay steadfast, and that is how we'll last the course of this life. Barnabas saw the grace of God and was glad. Let's be like Barnabas. It's often not what the application is from a passage. We often don't make ourselves the hero of a story or try and look at it there, but I think Barnabas is a wonderful example for us. But ultimately, we're looking at what God's doing through the church, and what he did was he sent Barnabas. And what did he do next? Well, Barnabas, as well as being encouraged, is an incredibly humble guy. Because in verse 25, we see it there, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So first thing he does, he goes and gets Saul, Paul, as he would also be known amongst the Greeks. And he got Paul to come and preach and teach the young church for a year. What a discipleship course that would be. Apostle Paul for a year. Both of them recognised that these new Christians, this young church, needed teaching, needed grounding. I think it's a real encouragement. It takes time to mature. It takes time. A year, they, they had at least a year. If you've recently put your trust in the Lord Jesus, praise the Lord. Now, be like the church in Antioch. Get yourself taught. Come to church week on week. That's how they did it. It says how they did it. Well, they did it in the church. They met with the church and taught great numbers of people. A good application from verse 26 is to make every effort to keep gathering with other Christians every Sunday to sit under God's word, have it taught, to encourage each other to remain faithful and to go again next week. So in simple terms, just let's do that. Let's make that work. Make that work for your family, lead in that area for the good of others and for your own good. It's a clear mark we see of the early church. We've seen it throughout our series of them gathering together in community. They're not on their own. They're not isolated. You don't survive on your own to be established. And so our Sunday gathering is the primary place that takes place. So there you go, that's the second thing. God outworks his plan. He speaks through his word as the church gathers together. Thirdly, it's on the screen there, we see leaders serve or servant leaders are put there. And we see three main blocks of leaders in this kind of, these blocks of stories. We've seen the apostles in Jerusalem. They're watching on and they're not proud. They're not too proud here. They don't try and shut down this new church. They see what's going on. And so they send one of their best men, Barnabas, to go and help. They send their best man. That's great. And then we see Barnabas. 
We've already seen how he was such an encouragement. I think Barnabas is up five or six times throughout the New Testament. Every single time he's described in this way. What a testimony that is. And we've seen how humble he is, how he saw what the church needed. They needed some teaching. And so he was humble enough to go, that's probably not me, it seems. Let me find the best person to do that. And he went and found Paul. And then we have Paul, who moved cities, gave up a year of his time to teach this church before he began travelling his ministry around the whole of the known world. And so one thing we see here is that in any church, team is so important. How God puts together teams to do life together, to do mission together. And to do it humbly. For us here at Town Church, as I said, many of them aren't here today because they're off either having a break or sharing the gospel with other people elsewhere. I'm so thankful for the team we have. The leadership team, but also the teams that serve in junior church now. We've got a big team in there now, serving them, teaching our little ones. Then the people that are the encouragers, the, the prayers, the people who serve us through helping us sing. Church always needs to be a team. The bedrock of the church is a team. And, and a diverse team. A team which is made up of, of all sorts of people. We see that in verses chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. We see, when you see those names, you've got Barnabas, you've got Simon called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Menenen. They're from all over. When we go into all different ethnicities, all different backgrounds, you've got an incredibly wealthy guy there, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And then you've got the example of the others as well. A really diverse team, a proper team. And so the question comes, how can we play our part in his team? No one is too old, no one is too young, no one's too inexperienced, no one's too busy, whatever barrier it may be, to play a part on his team. It, it could be to be like Barnabas or Paul. It could be to travel somewhere outside of Bicester, to up sticks and move in order to serve the church and speak to others of Jesus. It could be that. Maybe it is for you. Or it could be to be a part of this church, going to where the Lord has placed you, serving those around you brilliantly, speaking to them of Jesus, those who know Jesus, encouraging, exhorting them as part of the body, being an encourager. But we do that humbly and we do that as we serve. I know the Lord works in community and we see it here as we see these leaders serving. And that's not just for sort of official leadership roles. We see various people serving in different ways throughout this passage, throughout the whole of the early church as we humbly love each other and care for each other in community. That's how God works. And finally, what do we see as a mark of a healthy church, of a new church? We see people changing. We see that here in verses 27 to 30 of chapter 11. I don't know if you noticed it there. We see the church respond to the need of the famine. See, the Christian life is always faith and deeds. The Holy Spirit changes us. If you follow Jesus and put your trust in him, we will be changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. It's a really helpful evidence of the changing work of God in our life to see how he is doing that. How is he changing our desires? It's a good thing to stop and reflect about. I was challenged with some teaching recently of, of this. How do I stop and reflect on this? Where is God changing my desires? Where is God changing my actions, my behaviours, my thoughts, my attitudes? And if he's not, then there's a query, there's a question that I need to come before him praying to ask others to speak into my life it's a really helpful evidence of a changing work of the lord to see how he's changing us we see it with barnabas it doesn't just account for his actions that he's full of the holy spirit it says that it says he had faith he was full of the spirit and the sins being good it all flowed together he was saved the holy spirit was given to him and then out of that 
and his faith flowed his actions, his encouragement. Let me make it really clear. We do not need to change to come to God. We'll say that again and again here at Town Church. We come just as we are. We come broken. We come as people in need of a saviour, in need of rescuing. But then as we come to him with nothing, as we trust in him, as we depend on him, he changes more and more into his likeness. And we see the church changed here. Verse 27, we see it with their attitude to loving others, their view of money. There's a famine and so they determine. It doesn't sound like there's much debate. They just go, we need to do this. And they sent relief and they do. It's quite simple. Jesus changes us so we'll be a people who constantly give away. Whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's as a church, maybe we are best people in time like Barnabas was sent. In a few years time, as Bista continues to grow, we imagine planting a new church. And that will involve sending people to go and form a new church. And if we take the example here of the early church, that may involve sending, quote unquote, some of our best people. Encourage them to move and serve in a new place. Sending Barnabas is sending Paul's and going, no, no. Maybe to the detriment slightly to us, but it won't really be because we'll be blessing you guys over there. We see the people here changed in their dependence of God and they're seeking him for guidance. We see the people changed. They respond when there's need. And as we see in verse chapter 13, we see them depending on God and seeking him to guidance. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting so often seen in the early church as they depend on God for guidance. Big decisions, they pray and they listen. Will we be a church which does that? And the big decisions and the small decisions, will we pray, will we listen? And will we do that in community like the early church? Again and again, we've seen it for Acts, haven't we? They met together to pray, they met together. We saw it hilariously last week when they were so focused on praying, they forgot that Peter was at the door. Changed people recognise their need to depend on God. Changed people recognise their need to love others. Changed people our encouragers, change people, sacrifice everything to go and serve others. They recognise that. So there we have it. 17 weeks looking at the church and we have here four marks of a church which we see from the first Gentile church. They trust in God's plan. They sit under God's word. They're established by it. They continue to call each other to be faithful to it. They have leaders humbly serving. They're serving one another and we have a church where the people are changing more and more into the likeness of God. And so today, that's our prayer here at Town Church, isn't it? That we'd be a group of people made up of these characteristics. A church like this, full of people doing this. So let's not take the stories of Acts for granted. Remember right back at the start. That they're not just fairy tales, they're not just good stories. They happened. And it's because of that special work of the Spirit through the Apostles establishing the early church that we can sit here today. So friends, let's keep trusting the simple preaching of the Lord Jesus. Keep trusting in his plan. His plan is so different to ours. Would we have had people persecuted, sent to other places to speak simply to other people? Probably not. Probably have written a strategy plan and never implemented it. God did his work. He does his plan. They gossip the gospel to their friends, to their families, to their colleagues, to their neighbours. It's an unstoppable gospel which has reached the ends of earth and continues to reach to Bista. And the wonderful story of the book of Acts which it shows us is that we can be part of that now. So I'm going to pray. Then we're going to sing. We're going to sing a great song together. As we're going to stand, uh, ask you to put on your mask as we sing. We're going to sing This is Amazing Grace because we go back to that start. So we thought through what the Lord has done in our lives.
It is amazing grace that we can sing of this praise. It's amazing grace that he's chosen to save us. It's amazing grace that we are part of this church. So let's pray, let's sing, uh, and then we're going to share the Lord's Supper together.